I give to God by enjoying what he has given me, okay? I mean, do you really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Ha has the fund left your funds, huh? Has your do-re-me taken a W-A-L-K, huh? What if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make that the return would be mind-boggling? And, 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 it's, and it's promised, it's guaranteed. I know what you're saying, there's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 3.10, so it says in the Old Testament, it says, test me, give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this, I give this, he gives this. I give this, he gives this. I give this, up right up there. He keeps giving, I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, he gives back. <laughs> I tithe, but just not like in the form of a 10% check per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts, I buy some, boom, that's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom, that's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening, and they were charging $25 for child care. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. I would like to give, I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would, I would consider giving something, but not, now's crazy. We're, we're, we're gonna give later, we've already talked about it. I mean, down the road we'll be crazy givers, but right now it's just crazy. Yeah, I have money, that's a fact. But you know what, it's a heart thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this, watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns, come on. You want it? Ah, come on, pastor, do what I say, huh? Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. I hope it doesn't interfere. That everyone can hear how I give with cheer That everyone could be like me So I showed you that video for one reason And here's why How many of you know 
when the preacher starts talking about money, everybody freaks out. <laughs> right? And I don't want you to freak out. So I want you to chuckle a little. Um, so when we started this campaign, this is week seven, by the way. Does it seem like boom, 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 it's gone, right? One of the things I asked you about, I said, would anybody like to see their finances transformed? And all of you waved your hand. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. See, we've talked about spiritual transformation. We've talked about physical transformation, mental and emotional transformation, relational transformation. Last week, we talked about God changing our attitude when it comes to gratitude. And today, we're going to talk about financial transformation. And I'm going to ask you again, how many of you would say, I need some transformation in the checkbook? Nobody? Then we'll just go home. <laughs> right, that's what I thought. Yeah, here we go. <clears throat> here we go. We've read it every week. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I want to read it from the New Living Translation. I love the way this reads. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. How many know that our world has a financial system? And if you want to plug into that, then be my guest. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So right at the onset, here's what I'm, I told them in the prayer room that I hope that, that my attitude about this doesn't come off harsh, because here's what I promised God a long time ago. I'm never going to beg people for their time, and I'm not going to beg people for their money. I am today going to lay you out a plan, and if you would like to participate in it, I, I would welcome you to. Um, but I don't want you to do this because Dwayne, you feel like Dwayne's twisting your arm, because that's not what I'm doing. I'm going I'm to open the Bible, and we're going to talk about what God says about your finances, and if you want to plug into it, some of you are already plugged into it. If you want to continue, if you want to maybe start fresh with God's plan for your finances, man, I invite you to do that, but I'm not going to twist your arm. Because there's this attitude, like you saw it with the guy that was, you know, Benji likes hymns, that, that somehow we can manipulate what God's doing because we got a little cash. And I'm going to tell you that that's not how this works. How this works is God's offered you a plan to bless you financially and if you want to plug into it, it's on you. And I'm just not going to, I'm just going to lay it out here. So if you, if you want God to transform your, your finances, here it is. First thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about two myths, two cultural myths about money. Here's the first one. Myth number one is it's mine. <clears throat> right? Myth number one is mine. Um, and, and here's the truth. The truth is it all belongs to him. Um, you created nothing. You and I, with our abilities and our talents and our schemes and our efforts, can create nothing. We can only use the resources that God has put in our hands, put in our path. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains the world, and those who dwell in it. So the Bible says that God owns it all because he created it all. And oh, by the way, he owns you. So let's, let's step out of this attitude, and this mindset that we own anything. Because can I tell you, if you believe what God's word said, everything that we have in our hands is going away one day. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw a little wow moment at you. 
the average American in their lifetime will earn $1.7 million. Do the math. $1.7 million. So if you have an average income in the United States, in the, in the course of your working history, $1.7 million will pass through your hands. And so my question is, how are we, uh, how are we being accountable to that? Does that seem like an enormous amount of money? It does, doesn't it? Are we, are we being accountable with, with $1.7 million? See all this stuff we work so feverishly to obtain? All this stuff, our bank accounts, our retirement accounts, our houses, our cars, our land, whatever. See, your name might be on the mortgage, but God owns it all. It all belongs to him. And I've heard people say, it's mine because I worked for it with my own two hands. Well, who gave you those hands? Who put breath in your lungs, right? You with me? See, uh, some people hear that. God owns it all, and you have this idea that he's this tyrant. And I'm going to tell you, how I, hear a, I hear liberation from a loving father, is how I hear that, because it all belongs to God. Let, let's see if I can explain it this way. See, when I first started talking about this, my boys were younger, and they were teenagers. And they had cell phones in their hand that they called theirs. But when I got ready to, if they stepped out of line, guess what? I could take it. Why could I take it? Because it was mine and I was paying the bill. Now, they still have cell phones in their hands or pockets or whatever. And they can do with it what they want to. Do you know why? Because they're paying the bill. But let me ask you, if you were to ask them, which way did you like it better? Did you like it when you could use the phone and dad paid the bill? I would say they would probably say yes. And, and see, that's our mindset. Listen, all this stuff that we're busting our brains over, it, it's his. So guess whose bill it is? It's his. Let's, let's plug into God's way of doing this and watch him bless because he will. Here's what Psalm 50 says. Um, Verse 10 says, for all the animals of the forest are mine. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. There's nothing that you need that he doesn't own. Okay, I'm going to say that again because you didn't catch that. There's nothing you need he doesn't own. There's nothing you need that he doesn't own and that he's not quite well aware that you need it. Isn't it good to know that God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches? See, I want to plug into that. I'd rather it be his. Here's myth number two. The key to financial success is a good financial plan. And I'm going to tell you that having a good financial plan is wise. But I'm going to tell you that it's not the key. It's wise, but it's not the key. Here's the key. The key to financial success is following God's plan. Because he has one. And it's a good one. And it works. And I, I bet if, if we were to ask some folks that had been plugged into it for a significant amount of time to come up here and share with you, you'd, you'd hear not just from Duane, but from a lot of people that have plugged in to God's way of handling our finances. The plan is called stewardship. Stewardship. And, and a lot of times we hear that word stewardship and we think, okay, that's, that's the church's plan for us to help fund the ministries of the church. 
And I'm going to tell you that it's a little deeper than that. Actually, it's a lot deeper than that. See, a steward isn't an owner. A steward is a manager. In other words, God has placed these resources in your hands, and now we, a good steward, manages those resources that God has put in our path and in our hands and at our disposal. God has chosen you and I, and, and listen, some of you have been chosen with a lot of resources, and some of you have been chosen with a little resource. And I'm going to tell you that regardless You and I are challenged and called by God to be stewards of those resources. See, God's financial plan, listen, generosity trumps greed. Generosity. And, and, you know, we read in Romans chapter 12 that this world has a standard. and, And I'm going to tell you that the standard in our world is greed. You know, you guys know me, and I'm a huge sports fan, and I... But sometimes I'll, I'll watch ESPN and I'll see somebody that's getting $500 million to throw a ball. And I'm like, that's insane. And, and how many of those of you that are sports fans will re- recall when there's been a, a football player that got all out of, out of shape because somebody was making $11 more than he was making He's making five hundred, you know, five hundred million and eleven dollars instead of five hundred million dollars. Well, I want to make more than him. Where, where does that stop? You know, and, and that just that just trickles down to our whole culture. And I'm going to tell you that the opposite is God's plan. The opposite is 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 generosity. But here's the problem, y'all. Study after study after study shows that Christians are typically no more generous than the rest of the world. And that's a problem. And I don't, how can we justify that, y'all? And oh, by the way, and this is going to sound preachy and, you know, take it for what you want. But in this plan, tithing isn't generosity. Tithing is obedience. What you do above your tithe is, is generosity. So, Let's talk about what, it, what this plan really looks like. In God's financial plan, listen, God's plan involves the principle of first fruits. Let me see if I can break that down for you. First fruits means that I give God the first day of the week. That's today, by the way. We give God the first day of the week. Um, can I get preachy again? Not when you feel like it. Not when you don't have something better to do. Not when the weather is, you know, bad enough to where I can't go to the lake or good enough to where, you know, I can still, you know, get out of the driveway. Does that make sense? It, it's not, we, we do that when, we, when it's convenient for us. If you live by the principle of first fruits, then it's a big deal to you, giving God the first day of your week. It just is. I, somebody, maybe it was one of y'all, posted... Um, a, a, a meme on Facebook, Instagram, something a few, a couple weeks ago, and it said, I didn't decide to go to church. I'm a Christian. I go to church. Now, now that sounds harsh, but I'm just going to share with you that if you're going to plug into this plan, you got to put God first in everything you do. And, and, it, and it just works. So we're going to give him the first day of the week. And that, by the way, that doesn't mean you just show up and you, you know, 
take a couple of notes, and then bolt out the back door. That means you come and you're, you're an active participant in the community of faith. It just works. So we give God the first day of our week. We give God the first moments of our day. So who in your world is more important for you to talk to first? Right? Shouldn't God be the first person you talk to every day? Shouldn't we give him the first few moments of every day? Shouldn't we give him the first day of the week? And shouldn't we give him the first moments of, of every day? And I'm going to tell you that what we ought to be doing is giving him the first portion of our income. So I don't, I live in a glass house anyway, so I don't, I don't like to share. I'm just going to tell you how this works in my house, okay? And I don't want, I don't want you to, I don't want you to receive this as I'm saying, oh, be like me. I'm just going to tell you how the Light family has, has operated this principle in our own home. Because we haven't always done this. So, Kathy, our financial secretary, writes my check, and I deposit it with my phone. I know some of y'all don't like that, but it, I don't have to go to the bank, so I deposit it with my phone. And then I watch it, and as soon as that check hits my account, I send my tithes. Why do I do that? Why? Because I hadn't always done that. And I'm going to tell you, we fell flat on our face. <laughs> it, it was... Some of y'all were around in 2006 or 2007 when we planted this church. And, and if you'll remember, back in that season, we, we planted our church. Don and I bought a house because we were, we were digging our heels in. And this was our, the community we were going to serve. We bought a house. And then anybody remember what happened in the fall of 2007? So we had initially, and I don't, we don't like thinking of the church as a business, but we had initially started a business, started this church in the middle of the worst economy this world had seen in decades, and all of a sudden, Dwayne and Donna were struggling. And I didn't get up here and talk about that, but we were in trouble. I didn't talk a lot about it to the boys, but we were in trouble. But you know what we did? We, we decided we're going to be faithful to what God had told us to do. And it works, y'all. It just works. And, and I've had people challenge me and say, tithing is really an Old Testament thing, and it really doesn't apply to us today. Well, okay, well, the, the Ten Commandments are kind of an Old Testament thing, too. I, I'm just, I'm going to tell you how much liberty and liberation I found by following this principle. See, when we do this, a couple of things happen. All of a sudden, you realize that your dependence, your, your provision really isn't your employer. What you'll learn is that your provision, that you really, who you really depend on is God. And he's really the source of your, uh, of your income. He's really the source of your strength. And he's really the source of everything you own. And it just keeps you focused on that. And oh, by the way, it'll make you a little bit more disciplined. People have said, Dwayne, is, is tithing a command? Is it a principle? Is it a promise? Yes. Here's what Malachi 3.10, our, our buddy on the screen quoted it. 
Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there'll not be room enough to store it. It's the only place in the Bible, y'all, the only place in the Bible where God said, test me. Now listen, um, we've been doing this a little while now, and I've never, not one time, you see, now, I was a youth pastor for a long, long time. You know what the youth pastor's job is? Take the offering. That's what, that was my job. I, I have taken more offerings. That's why I don't do them up here anymore. I paid my dues. We've been doing this a little while. You know, I've never, not one time, had somebody come to me and say, Dwayne, I've been a faithful giver to the kingdom of God, and it was a bad choice. Not one time. Some of you that, that hang around here know that usually in the, in the, uh, at the beginning of the year, we'll do a tithe challenge, and we'll challenge you to do this for 90 days, and if you don't find it has been a blessing to you, we'll write you a check back. Ask me how many I've had to write back. Not one. You know why? Because God's way works. It just works. God's way works. Write this down. In God's financial plan, obedience gives birth to blessing. <laughs> I, I, I really wish I would have changed that fill-in to say it like this. So maybe you, you uh, note-takers write it down like this. Consistent obedience gives birth to consistent blessing. Here's who you need to talk to. You need to talk to somebody that's been doing this for 40 or 50 years. You need to talk to somebody that's been doing this for an extended period of time and ask them, is this, does this plan work for you? And I promise you, you'll never talk to somebody that's been plugged into God's plan for your finances for a significant, excuse me, a significant period of time that would go, yeah, I wish, you know, back 40 years ago, I just wouldn't have started. Here's what you might find. is somebody, oh, I tried it for two weeks, and it just didn't work. Well, you know what? I tried to diet for two weeks and gained four pounds, right? Doesn't work that way, does it? It's consistency, right? Isaiah 1, 19 says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. That's a good promise, isn't it? If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. Obedience, listen, means handling God's money like it's God's money. Obedience means handling God's time like it's God's time. Oh, by the way, here's, here's another myth. I didn't put this at the top, but here's another myth. We have this idea that God's only concerned about 10% of our income. And I, I've studied this enough to believe that God's concerned about all of it. And you're like, well, do, am I just supposed to sign the back of my paycheck? No, 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 no. He wants you to be accountable. He wants you to be a good steward of what he's put in your, in your path. Does that mean I can't buy nice things? Of course that's not what it means. It means you're just smart and you have a plan and you, and you involve God in your spending decisions. That's just what that means. Listen, I buy nice stuff. I like, you know, I, I bought something a couple weeks ago just for me. Just, did I need it? Nope. 
did I want it? You better believe it. And I bought it. And I like it. And if you want, I'll show it to you. It's nice. I like it. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to have nice things. I'm telling you that God wants you to be responsible. And that's his. So in God's financial plan, write this down. Stewards are accountable. I'm not going to read the whole story to you, but you can read it on your own. It's Matthew 25. Jesus talks about this story of this rich man that was going away on this long trip and was putting some of his employees in charge of a, a good portion of his money. It's the parable of the talents. So he, he puts his, a portion of his wealth in, charge of, in the charge of some of his employees. And it's interesting to note that not all the employees got the same amount. And, and, and let me just stop right here. Um, listen, if, if you spend a lot of time complaining because somebody else has more than you do, let's stop. Just stop that now, okay? How about let's, let's be thankful for what we have and not complain about what we don't have. Let's be thankful for what we have. Well, I sure wish I had a truck like him. Well, how about you be thankful for what you got? I sure wish I had a house like so-and-so. How about you be thankful for what you have? All right. That, w- that wasn't even in there. So he returns, and all the employees had put the money that was entrusted to them to work and earned more, all except the one who was given the least. Isn't that interesting? Oh, by the way, just because you feel like you're, you're not rich doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be accountable. And, by the way, if you immediately identify with the one that's given the least, you need to change your thinking. Nobody in this room was given the least. Nobody. Shall I prove it to you? Do you know what the annual worldwide income is? The median income across the globe for an individual is $9,000 a year. That's $750 a month. So if you earned over $750 last month, then you're in the top of the wage earners across this globe. We'll earn three times that much and count ourselves poor. So don't let your mind go to, well, I'm, I'm that one that was given the least. No, you weren't. How many of you drove to work? I mean, to work. <laughs> I drove to How many drove to church this morning? <laughs> How many drove to church? How many had coffee this morning? How many had several coffees this morning? How many had something to eat in the last 24 hours? How many of you have a refrigerator in your home with something to eat in it? How many of you have an indoor dwelling with a, a way to heat it and cool it? You're among the top echelon on this globe. In fact, you're probably among the top 5% of the wealthiest people on this planet. So stop this if I just had more. Let's be accountable with the tremendous blessings that everybody in this room, everybody watching me online has been blessed with. Everybody. Now, are there some in this room that have been blessed with much more? Absolutely. But, but listen, there's, there's billions more people that have less than you than have more than you. Did, did you get that? There are billions of more people that have less than you than more than you. So this rich man's very disappointed. 
And he gave his share of the one that was given the least to the one that was given the most. You know why? Because the one that was given the most was accountable. Did what he was told. What we learn from this story is that you and I are accountable for everything that passes through our hands. Little or much. See, some, some families in this, maybe you had $9,000 last year. Maybe you had 90000 Maybe you had 900000 If you had 900000 I'm going to need to see you after church. <laughs> Regardless of what comes through, this plan works if we'll be accountable to it. Write this down. In God's financial plan, bondage should be avoided. Somebody tell me, if we're talking about finances, what bondage is? Debt. Proverbs 22, 7 says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. I did a study one time, and I wish I'd have pulled those, those statistics about how much Americans pay in credit card debt every year. Um, I, I'm just going to tell you, that if, if the church, not, not LifePoint Church, but the church at large in America got half of that, that credit card debt interest, here's what would happen. There wouldn't be any hungry people. There wouldn't be homeless people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and so I, I just think we have to change the way we're thinking. And I, I have this conversation with people all the time, you know, is debt necessary? It depends on your perspective. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I want to talk to you about right now. I'm talking about stupid debt. All right. How many know there's a difference between debt and stupid debt? Anybody ever got in, in trouble with stupid debt? Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's just, let's just assume that you're going to have a car payment, which, you know, maybe is a good assumption, maybe it's not. But let's assume you're going to have a more. Let's talk about stupid debt. Um, y- you know, I, I, have, I have some stories about stupid debt, y'all. And they're embarrassing, but they're just, they just happen to be real. And they, a lot of times they involved either vacations or televisions. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they involve, you know, stuff that you could just do without or, or you could find a way to, to, to do on. It's just so, it's so debilitating when you're covered with debt, you know, and you're paying for something years after it's passed its useful life. I've done some, I bought some stupid dinners. <laughs> you know, you, you, you went to a restaurant you had no business going to, and you slapped the plastic down, and l- when you're hungry again, the bill hadn't even come due yet. I, I'm, I'm weird now, y'all. I am terrified of credit card debt because we got in trouble with it. So I, I'll tell you a funny story. Y'all going to laugh, I guess, if you want to. But this is how I, this, so I, I have, a credit card that we use, but I, it, I refuse to let it carry a balance. So we went to Disney a few, a few weeks ago, and we had a blast. And I'm just going to tell you, Disney is expensive. <laughs> and so Don and I had, had set aside some money. We'd been saving it uh, for this particular trip. <clears throat> and so, but I didn't want to carry a whole bunch of cash with me. You with me? I didn't want to carry a whole bunch of cash. So I carried that credit card. And here's what we did. So, like, meals or whatever, or, you know, or Mickey ears. We didn't get Mickey ears. What were we thinking? 
you got to go back. Yeah, got to spend another $11 million to go get this news. So we had that money set aside. And so we'd get back to the room every night, and I kept our receipts. And so I'd, I would, <laughs> I'd add up our receipts, and I'd go ahead and pay that off. That night, I didn't even wait until we got home because I didn't want to carry it over. And I'm going to tell you why I'm that way because I've been on the other end of that spectrum. And debt is bondage, and stupid debt is serious bondage. All right, so I'm going to give you, in the time we have left, I'm going to give you five very quick takeaways of financial transformation. Here we go. Number one, ask God for a generous heart. See, if, if you're watching online or you're here today and, and every part of you has been trying to push back at this or making excuses in your mind, I, w- I want you to ask God to give you a generous heart. Yeah. Or, or maybe ask God to give you a heart that would be open to his plan because I bet you your plan is not working. Mm-hmm. Ask God to give you a generous heart. And oh, by the way, uh, let, let, me, let me hit the timeout and the pause button here for just a second. I, I made an assumption that I probably shouldn't have made. This only works when your heart has been captured by Christ. Because he changes your perspectives. And he changes your priorities. And, and so... Before we say anything else, listen, if if you're here today and your heart has not been captured by Christ, I don't want you to, I don't want you to pay attention to anything else I've said, but listen to this. If, If you want your life to be significant and you want your life to mean something and, and, and you care at all about what happens after you leave this planet, and I'm going to challenge you, let Christ capture your heart. Let Christ transform you see that's what this whole thing's been about for the last seven weeks let christ transform you and let christ do what he wants to do in your life let him take your life and make it important make it significant and and make your eternity secure so that's number one number two uh, practice the principle of first fruits isn't it funny how we expect God to offer us his best when we offer him leftovers. Isn't it funny how we expect God to offer us his best when we give him our? And I'm going to tell you, if you try to be generous with your tithe and your offering on what's left over, it won't work. I tried that. It just doesn't work. I don't know how. I, I can't explain it. I can't give you chapter and verse. But it, it only worked for Dwayne. And I just think that principle of first fruits is all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. If we offer God our best first, he just blesses it. It just works. And I'm, ta- I'm not just talking about your money, y'all. I'm talking about your time, your talent, your treasure. Offer God your very best and watch him bless it. Ask God for a generous heart. Practice the principle of first fruits. Number three, be a student of God's financial plan. And put it into action. I can't, I don't have time in a 35 or 40 minute sermon to, to teach you everything the Bible says about handling your money. 
you ought to dig deep. You ought to open your Bible and see what God has to say about handling your money. And I promise, listen, I promise you with everything in me, if you plug into God's way of doing it, you will never turn back. I, I, that is a 100% guarantee. Number four, this is just something practical that I threw in. Have a plan. It's called a budget. My, my, my good friend Dave Ramsey, <clears throat> he's my friend. I listen to his podcast. He said, tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. That's just smart, y'all. That's just smart. And oh, by the way, uh, there's, there's, there's a passage in, in Psalms, I wish I'd have looked it up, where God, God tells us to know full well the state of your flock. In other words, now, how many know that they didn't carry debit cards 4,000 years ago? But their, their transaction was grain and livestock. He said, know full well what's in your stock. In other words, have a budget. All right. Ask God for a generous heart. Practice the principles first, first fruits. Be a student of God's financial plan. Have a plan. It's called a budget. And number five, come on. Get out of debt. Stay out of debt. Don't take on unnecessary debt. I wish I'd have called that stupid debt. There we are. I, I hope... I hope you've seen what I've, what, what I've laid out here for you today, and, and I hope you do something with it, y'all. If, if you need your finances to be transformed, listen, even if you feel like you're just rolling in cash, you've still got to be accountable with it uh, to God. All right, are you receiving this today? Yes. Amen. All right, we're going we're gonna to shift gears. We're going to do something a little bit different. I, I need my wife to come up here. Um, I've never asked... I've never asked uh, you guys to do what I'm getting ready to ask you to do. And um, I, I just felt compelled to do it today. Um, every year, I go on a trip by myself. Um, and I lock myself away, or I'll get on the side of a mountain somewhere. I know that sounds all, I don't even know. Uh, it's, yeah, I'll come back. My beard will be white. Oh, wait, too late. Um, I don't know that I've ever sensed an urgency like I feel right now. I don't, I don't know how to say it other than this. I do this every year. And every year, I get this unbelievable heaviness that this could be the last time I do this. We don't talk a lot about the rapture of the church and the ends of times. We're going to talk about it next year. I genuinely believe that we're living in the last days, y'all. And so I feel compelled about this trip because here's what I do on this trip is we plan out the direction for our church for the next 12 months, for the entirety of 2022. We'll plan sermon series and we'll plan direction and we'll plan where our church is going next year. That, that logo that says purpose, passion, people, that, 
That's not just something I thought sounded cool. That was a result of a trip last year in October, that this was going to be our emphasis and will continue to be, by the way. Purpose, finding your purpose, discovering your passion, loving on people. That's, that's who we are, by the way. And, and that came out of this trip. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I've never asked you to do this before, but I just wonder if a, if a few of you would just join with me this week. Now, no, I'm not taking you with me. But if you just set aside some time every day and, and just pray for our church for 2022 and pray for your pastor that I would hear clearly from the Spirit of the Lord. Because my heart's desire is to go up there, get away by myself, and hear the voice of the Lord. And so I, I'm asking you if, if you would do that. See, there's some, there's some things that, that I'm going to be talking to the Lord about that I want you to help me talk to the Lord about. For instance, we need a youth pastor. And we, we need one yesterday. And listen, I've, I've exhausted every resource that I have. I've called everybody I know to call. So you know what that tells me? is God's grooming somebody for us. And maybe they're already in this building. I don't know. But God's grooming our youth pastor. Well, we're going we're gonna to ask God to get it done. <laughs> it, I, we need some more teachers, y'all. There's some things I want, I want to be taught next year. And I can't do it all. I, I, remember we talked about the Daniel plan, about getting healthy? I, I need somebody to help me teach that. One of the things that we were planning on doing before COVID was Financial Peace University again. Well, I need somebody to help me do that. So I'm, I'm not asking you to volunteer for anything. I'm just asking you to pray with me this week. You with me? I, I bet some of you would be willing to push a meal aside and just fast and pray that God speaks clearly to Duane while I'm away. Because listen, y'all, this ain't my church. It's God's church. And oh, by the way, it's your church. And so what, I'm just asking for this week if you just lock arms with me. And let's pray and ask God to direct us for 2022 because here's what I want to see happen. I want to see God change this community. I want to see God do something through us and in us that, that causes marriages to find grace and find redemption and find restoration, that causes addicts to want to chase Jesus, that causes those that are lost without Christ to find Him. See, that's why we open those doors every Sunday, y'all. So I'm just going to ask you guys if you'll just join with me in that. In fact, I think it'd be important for us to end our service today today, and just asking God to bless our church. You say, well, Dwayne, I don't normally come here all the time. Well, you're here today, so that means you're part of us. I, I mean that, by the way. And, and, and listen, if you never show your face in this door, again, you're, you're connected to us forever because you walked in this door. So I'm going to ask you to help me pray this week. That, that, man, how many of you want to see God do something just mind-blowing in our church next year. Me too. Me too. So, 
let's, let's pray to that end. And uh, listen, if, if you'll join with me and, and help me pray about LifePoint for 2022 and help me pray about our direction, would you just make a note of that on your connection card? Now listen, um, next week you're going to send me text messages and you may not get a response. Don't, don't judge me. I'm trying to talk to Jesus. After, okay, that works. After Friday. Um, now, obviously, if you need me, I'm always available for you. But, all right, will you stand with me and let's pray? Listen to me. I'm I'm praying for your financial transformation. I believe in those th these things that I've shared with you today. I believe them with all my heart. I, you know, I, I try not to ever say anything up here that I don't believe with all my heart. But I'm telling you, this is, it just works, y'all. I don't know how else to say it. It just works. So I'm going to pray for you, for your financial transformation. And here's what I, we're going to end this time of prayer by asking God to do something spectacular and unique at LifePoint Church this next year. We join with me, Father, in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have provided for us. And, and God, you have blessed everyone in this building, everyone watching online with enormous resources. God, we are among the most blessed people on this planet. And God, we repent and we would ask you to forgive us for thinking otherwise. God, but, but you are changing the way we think this morning. So God, today we, we consider ourselves blessed because you, you have provided us with so many resources. And God, forgive us for not being accountable. Forgive us for not, forgive us for not being good stewards. But God, all that changes today. We leave here today with a challenge to be a good steward, a responsible steward of your resources. So God, I pray that you would do just that, that you would transform our finances as we follow your purpose and plan. And Lord, this next year, God, we're excited about what you're going to do in our church. We're excited about the growth. We're excited about the lives that will be changed. So God, I just pray that you speak clearly to us all over the next few days. God, we want to be transformed in our mind and we want to follow your path for what you have for LifePoint. You've, been, you've blessed this church so much. But God, we're asking you for more today. We're asking you that you would lead us and guide us and direct us and you, you would do exceedingly, abundantly above all we can ask or even imagine. Speak clearly in Jesus' name. God, I pray for every family that's represented in this room, represented online. God, every family that's connected to LifePoint in any way, shape, form, or fashion, God, that you would bless them abundantly this Christmas season and in 2022, we believe, God, that your blessing follows our obedience. So God, we thank you for what we're going to do, what we're going to see in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you offer the Lord an ovation of praise? Amen. 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 God bless y'all. Have a great afternoon.